You're listening to the Accessibility Corner on Dialogue Radio Network with your host George Zavala. The Accessibility Corner will provide you with topics and resources for our local community of people with disabilities. The Accessibility Corner is brought to you by the law offices of Stephanie Townsend Alala and Associates. So, here we go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get the party started. Welcome everyone to the Accessibility Corner here on Dialogue Radio Network. The Accessibility Corner is brought to you by the Law Office of Stephanie Townsend Ayala. And good morning to what's today, January the 20th, on this uh, blue marble, like Mr. Abel says. But first of all, before we start, I'd like to say um, uh, hello to Mr. Uh, uh, Ricardo Sagmenego. He's going to be our guest. But the reason I'd like to bring politicians on to this uh, platform is for persons with disabilities to be educated on the candidates, because uh, I'm a regional partner with uh, what's called Rev Up Texas, and what we like to do is bring up the candidates, speak to them on issues regarding ADA or accessibility, so the voters educated as they do their their, their due diligence in voting, and, and uh, just as we're we're doing the the Rev Up Texas, we do have a big announcement. Uh, Mr. Abel, you want to help me with this on the April the February 2015? He went up. Oh. I knew that. I'll just I knew that. Uh, February the 15th, we're going to have um, congressional debate or forum with the co- the candidates that are running for District 16. It will be done February the 15th. It said will be at EPCC Administration Building. <clears throat> Excuse me, from uh, six to eight. Um, I think six candidates have confirmed as of today, and that's why we have Mr. Sammy Mago. Now I do have. I'm a little biased. I do know this gentleman from my days at the workforce, and I, you know, Mr. Sammy Mago. Hello, sir. Good morning. And I do want to say this to my listeners. Uh, I, I've been around a lot of politicians and a lot of people that want to go into office. And I want to say this from my experiences, my experience with you at the workforce. You're one of the not, if only the manager that I knew or, or the higher ups that actually sat down and spoke to me. And the other one's like, eh, whatever, blew me off. But I do appreciate that. And that's when we, we, we started talking the first time you know, after this, you know, when we about the show. That was nice because I know who you are. You're not really a politician per se. You you talk from the heart. You I think we spoke like for a long time twice, and I do appreciate that, Mr. Because sometimes having a disability, unfortunately, we get dismissed. Like I, I we're just a whatever. But you actually sat down with me and we talked and we joked around. But I do appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do recall it. It was such a uh, great opportunity. If if you've been in HR. Uh, as long as I have, and you see anything that keeps uh, an employee from being successful, you'll gravitate immediately to it. And so when I met uh, George and some some other people came by and said that they felt that, you know, we could provide a better situation for him, I, obviously I, I had to meet George. And uh, once I met him, uh, his incredible attitude uh, about the workplace, about being successful, uh, but also uh, of being able to do his job in the right way w- was very impressive. Yeah. Uh, whereas most people are trying to figure why not to do their job or, yeah. or find an excuse as to why not to do the best job. 
uh, George was wanting to have the resources that he required to be the best possible job that he could and be do it just as well as anybody else. And, and, and you know, that's one of the initiatives that we, I've been doing ever since I left the workforce, is trying to provide that, that gap in services from employers to employees regarding perceptions that like, like you witnessed, Mr. Samuel, is that if someone in, in, in my position that has a disability, we need to focus on their abilities, not their disabilities. As long as the resources are there, like I had the, the, the software that could, that could talk to me on the computer, I could accomplish those tasks. And that's why we, I want to focus, uh, or my focus is, is uh, that perception. And I want to talk about your experience. Um, I'll, on the way in, I was listening to you on, on, on the radio or on, the, on my phone, and you, you had an interesting background. Can you kind of give uh, your CEO background in psychology? I like that. Can you kind of give us a little synopsis on well, that? Well, you know, very interesting. I started as a, as a um, working at Parks and Recreation, and then from there I went into being a probation officer, and then I went into wanting, I, I started loving mental health, and then I decided to, to become a clinical therapist and ended up being a, uh, my, my top position was as a director of rural mental health services in Las Cruces for southern New Mexico. And uh, so that, that's, uh, when, when you're dealing with mental health, uh, you have to have a lot of sensitivity for people wanting to do the best, but they have something that is keeping them from doing their, their best. So conceptually, any, any employee who wants to do their best, uh, you're trying, you know, you have a lot of employees that have every capacity, and they're not efficient, they're not effective, they're not sincere, and, and so when you find someone who is, has a disability and is trying their best, you could see their heart, you could see their motivation, and yet there's obstacles that keeps them from, from being the best that they can, uh, it's extremely frustrating. And I think that helps us, our population of persons with disabilities, and I like to say different abilities, but sometimes I say disabilities, but that you have that background, that you know firsthand that experience of mental health, because in my experience, my, uh, my disability is very obvious. I walk with a white cane, and, and so it's very obvious, but when someone has a mental health uh, issue or mental health uh, uh, this disability is different because you can't see that you can't see exactly. the episode they're having and that's where i think it's more difficult when it comes to mental health by the way before the show i, I told you i was recently recently diagnosed uh i don't know if since you're a clinical diet ther therapist i was uh, recently diagnosed with tcs do you know what that is sir no my I wife don't. is back from Bethany. no uh, TCS, sir, is a terminal case of the stupids. No. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but I tell people that. But I, I think that's like 99% of our, of our yeah, population. So. Especially Republicans. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> I, I like to, when I give sensitivity training, I, I, I like to break the ice with that. But, but you know, seriously, that, I think you having that background, you having that, that, that direct impact or dialogue with persons with disabilities, I think it helps us, our population, so you kind of understand where we're coming from. Now, when you're hopefully be elected as county judge, um, by the way, I like your vehicle out there. Your, is it an RV? Or it's an RV, and it's a, it's a billboard. I figured it'd be cheaper than having a billboard on the freeway. <laughs> now, you're going to let me test drive it, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, absolutely. awesome. <laughs> Equal access, right? There Equal you go. Equal access. <laughs> um, Why shouldn't you drive this? There you go. <laughs> and see, the way I say about driving, for me, if I yell, I turn the other way. If I yell, and then they yell again, I turn the other way. See, it works. <laughs> when it comes to... 
to the AZA uh, deficiencies, which there are many in the county, by the way, Mr. Saminego, unfortunately, to this point. And I kind of feel more confidence if you're in that position of the county judge because you have that experience. How would you, using your background, use those resources like funding to help us navigate or integrate better into the services that the county offers? Uh, once again, uh, having to me, inclusiveness is, is very important to me. And uh, if, if you don't mind, if I could give you a little bit of background sure. is that uh, I took a class in my master's program in New Mexico State that had to do with dealing with, with uh, people with disabilities. 85% uh, of the people taking the class had a severe disability. And I just was uh, amazed at how competitive, how successful they were, and successful against people that had very little disabilities. Like George said, we all have somehow, some way, we might have something that becomes a barrier, whether it's mental health or even your attitude. Or, But one of the things I just could not, my curiosity hadn't been a psychologist. My curiosity was driving me crazy. So one of the, the, the gentlemen, the student that had the worst uh, the most severe handicap, uh, him and I became a friend, and I asked him, you know, I'm very embarrassed that we're both on the master's program, you're, you're doing better than I am, and you have all of these disabilities, you have a broken spine, you're on a wheelchair, and he said, you know, there's, it's a very simple thing. People that don't have disabilities uh, focus on what's wrong with them people that don't have a disability focus on what we do have. I don't have this, but this is what I have. And I remember that he told me, he says, if most of us were to focus on what we have and those that have so much, uh, our world would be very different. He says, unfortunately, well, we tend to focus on things that we don't have. I use a tagline, funny you mentioned that, I use a tagline. Uh, we don't have limitations, we have potential. Exactly. And until we tap into those potentials and then we have those resources, like you're aware of in HR, having those tools, because now, now I'm a certified job coach. So when you introduce those tools into the work environment, it helps us progress. And then when I say us, I, I want to say that as an as a indictment onto society because mm -hmm. sometimes no matter what we've done or who we are or what we do, they always see our disability rather than our ability. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I walk into a, a, a sensitivity training, and I tell them, I used to work for the Department of Labor. I used to work for the workforce. I had my own business. They're like, you did? I go, yes. But that's, or if I talk to someone over the phone and I meet them in person, and they say, you're blind. That's good. Because that's kind of builds onto that, that kind of takes away that perception mm -hmm. that we can't do what other people could do. Now, when it comes to access within this, the county, I want to tell you a little bit of background, Mr. Samuel Liberty Hall, for many years, has been inaccessible. In particular, one level where uh, the people that go for, um, for um, oh, Lord, I went blank. The jury. Jury duty. duty yeah. uh, since I haven't done it so long. So. <laughs> but um, that particular level, the restroom is not accessible, and it's been brought up in the past. And I, to my uh, understanding, there was actually dialogue within the county. And when we had a discussion with someone from the county just recently, they told us there was pushback. There was actually pushback within the county 
to make that facility or any, any facility accessible. Now, as you as being county judge, how can you mitigate that kind of dialogue to help us to be more inclusive? Well, well personally, I couldn't sleep at night to knowing that, uh, we were talking about this earlier, that when you're in, in business, uh, there's certain things that keep you up at night. And one thing that would keep me up at night is how could you morally uh, not uh, have the same accessibility for everybody. It, it would just be demoralizing to to think that, uh, and that we're talking about this a little bit earlier, is that you have to go back to basics. You know, you can't have uh, all excited about the chihuahuas and you don't have accessibility at, at, at Liberty Hall, yeah. or that you're looking at, at fixing um, uh, San Jacinto and spend all that kind of money but you still lack uh, the basic needs for people. And, and so you, you just can't, you gotta start with, first let's take care of everything that needs to be taken care of, the, the most basic, and, and there's nothing more basic than inclusiveness, that I have, everybody has the same access to, to anything that we have that's owned by government. You know, it's funny you say that, and I like, your, I like what you're saying, because I had a conversation yesterday with someone from the city and they told me, we don't have to have every curb cut or every curb that's cut. We don't have to have uh, audible signals, audible pedestrian signals at every intersection. And I responded, well, that's funny because we don't have to have a ballpark. We don't have to have a spray mm -hmm. park. Did you know, Mr. San Diego, and off the topic a little bit, talking, kind of going what you're saying, the city spent $6.4 million on spray parks, okay? Mm -hmm. But when we asked for a transition plan update, which you have also in the county, they said they had no money and they could only spend $500,000. 500000 compared to 6.4, that's a big discrepancy. Now, as you being the county judge and as a state, in the state that the, the county is regarding ADA or accessibility, how can you tap into those other resources? How can you um, put those troops in line, so to speak, to, to make us more, to get that funding? I think the, the most important thing is uh, priorities, that uh, we, we forget to look at priorities and say, what are the most important needs? Uh, sometimes you don't become very popular, and I don't intend to be very a popular type of Paso County judge because it's a lot easier to do the glimmering and do a do something that's that looks good than something that is really needed so my approach whether people like it or not is, is to go back to basics and and truly look at what are the basic things that are missing that we that we could obviously say we're a city of inclusiveness where everybody has equal opportunity to everything that anybody else has. Then after you finish that, then you start looking at, like I say, the things that glimmer, the things that are a little fancier and nicer. And But to me, it's a, it's an idea of being a psychologist. I believe in Maslow's uh, law and what are the basic needs that people have. Yes, sir. And you go from the basic needs uh, and then you go upwards. You don't go from social needs and you don't have the basic needs and and so I, I love to follow the you know what are the basic needs that are here in El Paso people yeah. need accessibility uh, we should have kids that uh, that are hungry uh, we shouldn't have uh, floods and socorro every time it rains 
then when you're able to take care of those things, then you build a community on top of that that has all of these other great things and more quality of life and so forth, because otherwise it'll tumble on you. Uh, right now, rural, uh, uh, anything that you that we have less of just go into the rural areas we're going to have less accessibility or we might have less education we less have less food for people less subsidies at schools so the further you go out the the, the worse things get and uh, that shouldn't be like that we well, should be equal at every corner of the county one thing i i encourage you when you, when you do if once you become city council or a county judge what about you that's really hindrance here when it comes to the rural county part of, of El Paso because I was recently uh, appointed to the the West Texas uh, for the MPO for the Metropolitan mm. Organization and they focus on the rural urban the rural um, transportation uh-huh. and what I say is that personal disabilities in the elderly is very transportation is a very essential part of our lives <clears throat> we use it to go to doctors we go to to buy our food we go to just uh, for entertainment and right now, the services are, are, kind of, are, are lacking. For example, I'll give you a perfect example. Project Amistad, they have what's called 5310 funding that's from the state. And right now, it's currently funded to where it only provides 15 rides transportation trips per day. 15. Boo. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Whereas, we brought, I have brought up to the notion of how about we kind of look into the other uh, alternative, maybe going to with Uber or Lyft, which is L-Y-F-T, to kind of maximize that, that funding. In other words, maybe go from 15 trips a day to maybe 30 trips a day, just kind of, but the thing has been pushed back. And to me, I think having uh, county-wide transportation is very essential for everyone, not only persons with disabilities, but those people that want to live within the county, but, but want to work here in El Paso. So I hope you, as when you become a county judge, can look into that and help him progress that initiative of making a countywide um, transportation. Now, I know that there has to be an MPO involved in and whatnot, but it would help coming from uh, just, you know, the, the, the main person at the county, which is a county judge. Well, I think one of the things, George, that I'm, I'm looking at is that there's some areas that are outside the county that are outside the realm of the county judge. But what I've seen is if, if I do the right thing, and they see that I'm doing and, 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 and doing things that are helping the, the county, your voice becomes stronger. If they see that I'm capable of making changes that weren't made before, that I bring in uh, inclusiveness, that, that we start taking care of basics, then uh, even though it's not all my responsibility to be doing something outside of my realm, uh, people start listening and people start wanting to have you as part of their voice mm-hmm. and to me so that's a very important part i think the county judge if they do the right things they don't get clickish and they see them as less politicians and more as ceos of an organization well you want to have that person on your board or you want to have that person on part of a decision and and that's what i intend to do to 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 prove that if, if whether it's county or not, that I'm going to have a voice because exactly. they send the county to the Congress, they send them to state, they send them to, and you want to have that voice. And, and you know, George, from our experience that 
uh, my voice for for disability and and, and you, you're very astute. Uh, I think when it started was having been in mental health, being the liaison between Big Spring State Hospital in El Paso, the only county employee doing that. That's what gave me the sensitivity of of this inclusiveness. You know, hopefully, I want you to, if you can, stay for the next half. Uh, hopefully, we'll have Ms. Dawson here uh, talking about mental health. <clears throat> I want to talk about the state of mental health by the next half regarding what's available. But when it comes to, and I want to kind of, you kind of mentioned it, and it's true, the basics. When you have part of county, uh, the part of a Horizon, or I forget what part of it, mm -hmm. flooding, but yet Support. we have a county park. Yeah. You know, your perspectives are kind of not there, in my opinion. And I'm kind of glad you, you want to look at basics because that's where I look at. I look at the basics and they work out from there. For example, uh, for example, let's say I have a, a client that has a disability and they're having a particular way of doing the task. Instead of focusing on how they're doing it, let's try to see how else we could do it to kind of do the different technique to kind of accomplish the same task. And I think you have the same kind of ideology where it comes to Maybe if it's not working this way, just try it another way. Mm -hmm. Might not be popular, but it gets the job done, right? And that's why I hope. Now, before we go, how much time do we have, Mr. Abel? We're looking at about four minutes. I want to make sure we focus on your CEO. I like the way you said. When we first had this dialogue about coming on the show, you said CEO, and I like that. You didn't say county judge, which is a politician. You said CEO. Using your, your abilities as a CEO and as, as in your background in HR and psychology, how, and now this is talking not to me, but to the listeners. Why would we want to vote for you in regards to accessibility? Well, uh, primarily that uh, anything that you do for people and things that you do right, it's good business practice. And, and it's interesting because people try to curve that. They try to avoid those things that at the end, when your employees are happy, they're producing they have the accessibility that they need. They feel like a, a part of the organization. Some great things begin to happen. If you stop and think, George, when we talk about commissioner's court, we forget that we have 4,000 employees. And, and we almost act as if the commissioner's court is what's making the decisions without the, the help of the employees. So every employee should be developed the talent pool has to be better and the most important thing is for them to have the resources and that way uh, you're not discriminating with anybody uh, somebody might need a better desk and uh, or they're in a in a lousy area that doesn't allow them to be successful uh, some person doesn't have accessibility because they do have a disability so I, I don't see I have a very difficult time sort of narrowing it down just to disability uh, but narrowing it down to what can we do that every employee feels good about themselves and feels like they can be successful. You know what you just did? I'm going to give you a high five. Give me a high five. Yeah, I'm giving him a high five. He said, in, in, in the way you said, we want to focus on their ability, not their disability, which is true. Uh, when it comes to performing the job task, it shouldn't be, can they do it? Or can they do it because they have this or they don't have this? And... At the end of the day, Mr. Samanigo, people don't realize, business owners, administrators, politicians, that accommodating someone is the law. At the end of the day, it's the law. 
it's not a nice to have or oh maybe we have this. So I like your the, your dialogue you're bringing forth, and you're talking from the heart, from your experience. That's very important because I don't think any county judge candidate that's running right now has your experience when it comes to the hands-on to our population of people with disabilities, and I appreciate that. I didn't know about this. I know your your background in psychology and maybe that's why you spoke to me so good because you, you kind of saw that but, <laughs> but anyway we're going to go and go to break we're listening to the accessibility corner here on dialogue radio network brought to you by stephanie townsend ayala and we'll see you after the break Stephanie Townsend Iala. At the law firm of Stephanie Townsend Iala and Associates, our attorneys, including Jennifer Coulter and my own daughter, Jessica Clute, fight for the nursing home and home health care rights of the elderly and disabled. I'm attorney Jessica Clute. The law firm of Stephanie Townsend Iala also specializes in estate planning, probate, trusts, wills, powers of attorney, nursing home advocacy, Medicaid asset protection, and guardianships. Call us at 533-0007. Hello, welcome back to the Accessibility Corner here on Dialogue Radio Network, which is brought to you by the law office of Stephanie Town Ayala. Well, we have a little surprise today. We, it's not Miss Dawson, that's fine. We have the best thing next to her is her boss, uh, Louise. Um, real fast, Mr. Luke, can you kind of give an introduction to yourself, please? Yes, hi, my name is Luis Marin. I'm the Director of Business Development at La Familia del Paso with Lucy Dawson, and also I'm a nurse. Um, I've been a nurse and involved in the mental health for actually about six years. Okay, and then we have uh, Mr. Samanigo was, was gracious enough to stay, and a little bit later we're going to talk about mental health and why it's so important to have that public awareness of why, uh, what triggers it, how to treat it, what's available here in El Paso. And with that being said, uh, what La Familia del Paso, what's their focus or what's their the service that they can provide to this? On La Familia del Paso, actually, we try to focus on everything that regards mental health. Uh, actually, we're trying to get our hands in, in providing more treatment, just specializing on mental health for the community and the population um, that needs those services here in El Paso. Uh, we, we know that actually being a military city also, um, a lot of the militaries, I don't know if we've heard in the news that um, the suicide rates are really, really up to the roof on the military, and us being a military community, that those services are really needed. Here. Now, what I say, 
And I want to define the, the, the difference between mental health and an intellectual disability. Is there a difference? Yes. Okay. Uh, mental health would be anything ranging from anxiety, depression, um, schizophrenia, when intellectual an intellectual deficiency would be more like born with um, an intellectual disability which doesn't let you progress or it's just um, your, your brain won't develop as well. And the reason why I ask you to define it because sometimes there's people mix interpret one for another. Yes. And when I say intellectual disabilities, like autism, and yes, where uh, mental health is more like uh, bipolar, right? Bipolar. And that's the thing that the public awareness needs to be there. Where uh, we just started what a year and a half ago, uh, we we pushed forward an initiative with the city, and now the county, the sheriff department. Well, the sheriff department have been doing it, but they kind of put in the shelves for that like, three years, but. Uh, go in regard to, to awareness between the officers, the cadets, and the disabilities. And we include mental health because that's very, like I was telling Mr. Samimiego, for me, it's very obvious because I, I, I'm blind, I use a cane or a service animal. And whereas someone is the, the mental health or even intellectual disability is internal, it's not external. Yes. And sometimes, uh, did you see that, a show? I forgot to mention you, Mr. Samenego. Did you watch that? Uh, it was um, a week and a half ago in Baltimore about that um, patient that was left out in the in the in the, in the in the bus stop. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Did you see that? I, I, I did not see that. I'll give you a background. This gentleman's walking down the street. He's a clinical psychologist, and he's 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 it's at night, and I had it on my last show, and uh, well the story, and he's walking down, and these two security guards are, are rolling this woman out in 30 degree weather and just her, her, her hospital gown and they wheel her out they put her on the bus stop like that and socks so this gentleman is concerned so he walks up and he asks the security what's going on and he kind of hinted that she was rude and, and so he went to talk and he's, he has it on FaceTime or uh, Facebook and he's talking to her and you could tell she's having a, a psychotic episode she's yelling she's crying he's trying to communicate with her she's not communicating so he identifies with that right because he's a just by chance, mm-hmm. he's a, a psychologist. So he's like, so he calls an ambulance. And he's like, how in the world can these, a hospital just kick her out because she's rude? That's what, you know, basically, instead of having, you know, involuntary uh, uh, um, putting into the, the hospital, do some diagnostics and see what's happening. And the reason why I bring up that story because the state of mental health treatment in El Paso in particular, I've heard is very bad. Um, and I want to talk to you, Mr. Samenega, you too, Mr. Mina. What resources, let's say La Familia, they don't know about the family, and I want them to know about this. Mm-hmm. They need to know what's out there, that what's going to help their parent, their, their child, their, their neighbor, that there are resources out there. And sometimes when it comes to mental health, it's just as like you say, Mr. Samenega, the basics, it's just a chemical imbalance. And sometimes they need that treatment so they get back to at least a stabilized uh, where they can communicate or perform in society. So I wonder if you can both just kind of put in that what resources are out there. Um, in your experience, mental health is what to you? You know what, first of all, now that you touch up on the on the hospitals and, and how, how they mistreated that, that client that you saw online, um, you know what, we have a lot of issues here in El Paso of our own, especially with the local hospitals. Because- oh, by the way, I started to interrupt you. It's called, I looked it up, it's actually a term. It's called hospital dumping. Yes, and it's like patient dumping, and that that term has been used in the medical field forever. And it's when you cannot provide 
services for this individual and you just kind of throw him on the street or try to send him to a hospital without any notification of why he's going there. And so it is called patient dumping. So in the hospitals, that is what's happening. And actually, individuals who are suffering from mental health illness are, are treated as criminals. Mm-hmm. And it's something really sad because the hospitals doesn't have the resources to deal or treat any mental health. Especially right now, we're seeing a big increase in the ERs where they're EDO'd individuals who come with a crisis. They're EDO'd and they're held in the ER in a room with just a bed under security for up to four days just because there's not enough resources for them. Is that because of lack of service or funding? Why, why is there such a big, huge lack of, in that kind of particular treatment? I think it's just... There's too much, and then our local authority, which our mental health local authority, um, I think they have their hands full, and it's a lot for them to deal with. And as more awareness is is brought up to 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 our social media and to TV and to society, I think more we're gonna also, to be honest with you, I think social media, the telephone, and all that, it's it's um, increasing to this to this uh, to this mental health. Now, before rising. we go further, I want to mention the, for the Familia de Paso, what specifically can you offer in regards to services, specifically? In the services that we offer, we offer psychiatry, we offer counseling, um, case management, uh, psychosocial therapy, which is a mental health provider will go and start doing treatment at home just for them to stay out of a, of a hospital institution or to prevent any crisis. Well, how can they contact you? They can contact us, they can call us, or actually, um, they can look for us on Facebook. We have an email page, it's callafamiliaelpaso.com. They can look for us, or they can call us at phone number 915-215-3930. We can give you more information within a call. Actually, on our website, there's a, a place where they can just inform or just type whatever the issue is, and then we can give them more information on how to deal or how to proceed with that. And you're, Mr. Sabinigo, you've been a clinical psychologist. What do you say... What can be the best avenue to treating or improving health, mental health treatment here in El Paso? Well, I guess the, the first part is I think we have to create a, a community that has a culture of caring for mental health. Uh, I think uh, there's a tremendous phobia uh, that goes along with mental health, and there's also a huge denial uh, by the family and by the person that uh, it's not mental health, and so if they could be detected, I had the great opportunity to talk to uh, Sheriff Wiles, and he says that uh, that nobody wants to detect it when it's early because they figure it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times they, you know, sort of rub some dirt on it, and you know everything's going to be okay, and things will progress very rapidly, especially in certain areas uh, like psychosis or schizophrenia. It'll progress very rapidly, and so if you do not deal with it and if you don't take care of it quickly enough, uh, for example, if they don't get the right medication, uh, obviously their symptoms get worse. Uh, our society deals harsh with them. Uh, then they deal you know, bad because of the treatment, so we, we get into these vicious cycles and one that's, that's hurting the other. The other one that could be very helpful is if that we were able to feel comfortable, just like I have a cold and it's getting worse and I want to go get a shot and, and everybody's okay with it. You know, we don't run away from, from that. Uh, but typically it's um, uh, feel a little bit of depression. Uh, don't worry, you're just sad. 
uh, don't worry, it's going to go away, and uh, nobody wants to beer. treat it. Yeah, yeah have a yeah. beer, and, and, away, and yeah. everything will be happy. The other one that would be very, very helpful, because it would be a double kind of an opportunity, and, and that is that uh, in all the years that I worked as a mental health therapist, probably about 95% of the clients were women and not males. And so where we help, if a male goes into therapy, he too will become more sensitive about mental health. So it gets a double kind of a, of a hit there because the male who is trying to be tough that doesn't deal with mental health tends to be also the same way with people. So if his exactly. wife is having issues, it's like, oh, you know, it's going to go away. Uh, look at me, I'm depressed, but I don't, you know, I don't do anything about it. You know, you know what I say about that, Mr. Samenigo, and this is my underlying uh -huh. uh, mantra, D disability awareness. When mm -hmm. I say that, it's because Absolutely. when you become aware uh, of the situation, or you understand, um, and I'll give you a perfect example, Mr. Vinny, and that, uh, Mr. Luis, and I forgot to mention this when we first, first met. Years ago, and this kind of gives to what I'm talking about now, about education. Years ago, I knew a gentleman, a friend of mine, and his brother has, has schizophrenia. So one day we're watching TV, and this is one I could see. I'm watching football, and, and he runs in. His brother runs in naked. He says, I need, I, need, I need a match. I need a match. And I'm, I'm freaking out, like, what's going on? And he's like, I need a match. And I can smell gasoline. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's like, because I need to burn my skin. They're coming. They're coming. Uh, my first reaction, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Later. But now... Now that I have been educated and been exposed to that, I kind of now I say, okay, how can we help him? Mm -hmm. What resources are out there so, so you can kind of treat that? And before I forget, uh, Mr. Luis, when it comes to the services at uh, La Familia, are they free or are they so they're qualifiers? How does that work? We do have a free program, at, um, which includes the clubhouse, and I'm sure you, you've, you've heard about it, George. Yes. My, my uh, cousin was part of that. Yes. Um, so in the clubhouse, we do uh, we work with several insurance, which is mainly Medicaid, Amerigroup, Molina, and and um, Amer Advantage. But the thing is that we also have free service for those who, who are indigent and are not insured, which is with a clubhouse. And what they what it is is that they can provide mental health services there while we provide a safe haven for them. Do you have like four locations, right, or three locations? We have three locations right now. Okay. One is uh, in 5000 Alameda, which is right in front of, of UMC, or Texas Tech, uh, Paul Foster School of Medicine. And we have another one on Yandau, uh, 1511 Yandau. And the last one will be on Cliff and Brown, which is 1523 Cliff. The clubhouse I liked, in the, just a little background, the clubhouse I liked because my cousin has Down syndrome, and she was going there for many years. And that clubhouse kind of gives that... Uh, it's not really, a, I would say, an adult daycare, but you provide like social uh, activities, mm -hmm. the development issues that to use different. You know, I liked it. It really it kind of not just a throwaway, just go away. They kind of you kind of felt uh, foster those those skills on on society on social events, and I, and I like that. I yes, because sometimes when it comes to mental health. They just want to like, go away, get away, don't, mm -hmm. don't talk to me. Let's not talk about it. Like you were saying, Mr. Samuel, maybe it'll get better. And maybe they just mean this don't or that. Mm -hmm. But if it's not treated, you know, in, in a treatment, because sometimes when it's treated medically or by medication, it's more of a management, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's going to be a continuous um, a management process, isn't it? When yeah, it comes to I, I like health. what you said, George, about education, because, you know, the people that, 
sometimes don't help the patient to go out and get treatment is because, you know, they might have um, a depression. And depression, for example, can take off in different ways. I mean, you could have the beginnings of Alzheimer's. You could have other serious oh, really? Really? things that can be happening. But the first thing is that you dealing with any kind of situation, had, you tend to be depressed and you look depressed. And so they feel they lump everything into a depression. You know, that Did you know that depressed, uh, you know? one of the consequential effects of Parkinson's and I know this, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Ms. Uh, Mr. Samuel, well, you're a clinical psychologist, hello. But um, one of the consequential effects for Parkinson's is depression. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, well, and that's well, what I'm saying, education, you know, is very important. And yeah. I think you do that too, right, Mr. Uh, Luis? Yes. Uh, I mean, you do a lot of outreach too, right? Correct, yes. Yeah, and the thing is that, for me, outreach, outreach, outreach is yeah. very important. And we want to bring that, that dialogue across where, yeah, this person might have a disability or, or mental health or whatever. But you know what, as long as we understand it, and know how to treat it or deal with it at that time because when someone's having, like me, I have anxiety. And there's time that flares up and I wanna run. And my wife kinda holds me back, you know, calm, relax. But if she, if she, if she didn't know that, she would probably say, this guy's weird. What's mm -hmm. wrong with him? But see, I had that dialogue with my wife, saying, you know what, I have anxiety. There's times that it flares up and I don't know what triggers it. There's, there's sometimes there's unknown triggers. But kinda like mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Is it mental health, is there triggers? Um, the awareness, uh, once again, and just for a clarification, I'm no longer a clinical therapist. What I've done uh, when I went from being a clinical therapist, I studied uh, rational emotive psychotherapy, uh, psychoanalysis, but then I went into HR, and uh, so I was able to... Nice transition there, huh? Yeah. Well, well, what happened is I was able to integrate what I knew without having to be a therapist. Mm. But I, I would be able to catch things at a very early stage that might have gone unnoticed. And so I know that the awareness is, is a huge, huge part of it. Yes, awareness and uh, not to feel bad. Uh, I personally don't see any difference between somebody catching a cold or being ill or having cancer or having I mean, you don't, I mean, it hurts if somebody tells you you have uh, cancer, but then you don't, you're not embarrassed, you know, and you don't go and say, oh my God, you know, I have cancer, I'm not going to tell anybody. Uh, you go get treatment. The, the unfortunate situation with mental health is that there's a stigma of embarrassment. Yes. And, and that delay, and I encourage anybody who's listening, that the delay uh, is what makes it more and more difficult for mental health to be able to treat it. When you go see Louis and you're starting to have the, the, the initial symptoms, he's got much more of an opportunity to help you than if you've lived with that symptoms and you've hidden them and you're not dealing with them and they become more and more uh, uh, part of your, the core issues in your life. Uh, then what happens, then you become, you're seen as a criminal or as you've seen as someone ex extremely odd or, uh, you know, a lot of things happen in us not trying to deal uh, and be able to say, uh, it's okay. I have an, a mental issue and I'm going to take care of it yeah. and I'm going to get better. Now, Louise, um, let's say someone, and just out of curiosity, let's say I have a parent or, or a spouse or, am I talking about you? or someone that you feel that has an issue, can they reach out to you and say, you know what, um, I think my wife or my brother or my sister may have, 
And can you come in to do like an intake, an assessment, or how does that work? Yes, definitely. If, if you feel that one of your family members, like Mr. Samaniego was saying, there's a big stigma, especially in the community that we live with, and especially with the Hispanics, I think, growing in a Hispanic community. What do they say? Está loco. Está loco. Necesito una limpia. They always related to that, and that stigma is great, and that's one of the barriers that we're trying to get over with. And like Mr. Samaniego said, it starts by educating the, the individuals you know what in the, the community. Biggest, let me ask you both gentlemen, I ask all my guests this, and then I'll see what they say. In your, in your opinion, in your experience, what's the biggest barrier in society when it comes to disability? What do you say? Me the one, I think edu uh, ed education. lack of education That's is to me the so. biggest. You don't understand something can make things worse. That biggest perception, in my experience, and trying to get into that private sector uh, population and even the city and perception. Because no matter like you were saying earlier, Mr. Samanigo, you gotta adjust to the, the desk, you gotta apply that software to the tech computer to make it work, but you have to get, the first thing you have to get is over the perception. Mm -hmm. Because if I encounter someone before, not now, that had a, a mental health uh, diagnosis, I would've been like, ooh, I don't wanna be around them. But now, I'm like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If they have an episode or they're having an issue, at least I know how to deal with it. I know the resources out there that can call Mr. Luis, hey, you know what, I have a friend of mine that's having an issue. And that's what we need more in this community because sometimes our culture kind of, like you say, no, they'll, they'll be in the back room okay by themselves. But we need to kind of bring them back out and be more inclusive, right, Mr. Luis? Yes, and, and Mr. Mr. Samanigo can tell you that most of these individuals, um, sometimes all they need is understanding. Exactly. Actually, if you sat down and listened to them, even though they're in their crisis, but you pay attention to them, that would decrease the crisis situation. Mm -hmm. Just you know, by listening and, and showing that you care. Sometimes that's... I saw a story this morning, Mr. Uh, Mr. Luis. Gosh, I got goosebumps. It's so funny you said that because there was a story on, um, on YouTube or a video, I'm sorry. And it was about a, a, a person, uh, it was a young man. He was, he had, a, um, I forgot what it was, mental health diagnosis. When he, who the cops got there, they were being aggressive towards him because of course you know, it's, they don't know. Mm -hmm. So the, poor, the gentleman was just reacting. But yet a, 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 a senior officer came and he kneeled. They have a picture, they took a picture of it. He kneeled in front of this gentleman and they started talking about football, about sport, and he calmed down. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, this is uh, so um, health, health, uh, heartwarming. But you know what? Like you say, Mr. Luis, just come down to your level and talk to them, understand them, mm -hmm. have that dialogue. Because sometimes the person that's having an issue might be scared. <clears throat> Or don't know how to react. They don't know how to react. You know, you know, George. I'm working at one of the institutions here in El Paso. I learned also that because we had a lot of patients that kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Um, they would be discharged. They would go. I mean, dealing with with the diagnosis, right? But they were handling it. Um, we send them out, trying well, more of a normal life for them to go out to the community and start over. And we gave them the medication so they can continue with their medication management and all that. But they kept coming back. Once they were in there, they wouldn't exhibit any, any signs and symptoms of a crisis. But I started reading a little paper that I found on, on, on the web, and it said that it's because they feel at home. When they don't feel judged by others, and if they're in a place where other people have the same diagnosis as them, they don't feel judged. They feel in a place where they're safe. Yeah, like, you know what? Here is where my people is because yeah. they're suffering from what I'm suffering. So they understand me. I understand them. So that's why they kept going back. And sometimes most of the individuals that went back are even 
are just faking a crisis to go back to that setting because they feel like they don't fit out in the community. And, and it kind of comes to what uh, to what I'm, I always say about our population of persons with disabilities. Because when I say our population, it's like that. We're at home. When I'm around other people with disabilities, I feel at home. I'm not being prejudged. When I'm with someone that's blind or someone that uses a wheelchair or intellectual disability, I feel comfortable mm-hmm. because I'm not going to be where I'm with someone. They're going to say he's blind, you know. Or they they talk to me real loud. I'm like, I'm not deaf. I'm blind, you know. Or they talk to me real slow. I'm not stupid. I'm blind, you know. But sometimes sometimes people correlate that, which is fine. I find that as an opportunity to educate, not to get upset. And say, and then I go back to say, why are they thinking that way? Well, what can I do to fix that? That's why I'm so so um, visible in the community because I want to. I'm purpose. I'll have this show to show people, even though I'm blind, I have TCS, that I can have this show. You know what TCS is, by the way, Louise? Well, I just heard it right now, actually. <laughs> but I want to show... Put it on the DSM yeah. point 20 now. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a diagnosis, ICD-10, 20 point from that right. But the thing is, I want to show people, and I do this on purpose. I serve on many committees, and just recently I was telling um, Abel, this past week I've been asked to be a part of three boards. Uh, I was uh, Last week I was appointed to the Valar uh, Independent Living Board. This week I was uh, nominated for the NPO, and, and then next week hopefully to the ARC of El Paso. But I'm doing that on purpose. I'm using my visibility to show people, Absolutely. even though I'm blind, Absolutely. I could do it. And I want that to reflect, because now Abel, when he deals with me, it's changed. His, his, his dialogue has changed. Because there's a word he can't use no more. Otherwise, it costs him a dollar. What word is it, Abel? I won't. It's handicapped. Start yeah, start. It's handicapped. I told him. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I say handicapped, because handicapped, you know where the word derived from? No? Nope. Handicapped was back in World War I when the soldiers came back from, from war. There were no social services like they were now or are now. So what happened is a lot of the soldiers went out to the, to the, to the streets and use their, their military hat as hand. They put their hand on their cap, and people put money in it. So that's where handicap came from. And we don't like that nowadays because we don't, we're not asking for a handout. We're asking for a hand up. And with that education, that's where it helps us be more inclusive. Excellent. And, um, and with yes. your services, Mr. Louise, I hope people really take advantage of it. Before I forget, what's the enrollment process? Is there a enrollment process? Or how All you have work? to do is give us a call. That's it. After that, um, we will give you an appointment right away. Of course, we'll ask you what kind of insurance do you have. Um, but as soon as you, you call us, there will be somebody outreaching. There will be okay. somebody outreaching you and following and, and trying to get information of what's going on. And even if we cannot provide the services adequate for the individual, what we will do is we'll try to find you awesome. somewhere where you can get some help. That's the perfect thing to do because there's all times what happens is like, I can't help you. Oh, well. And I hate that. And to me, I'd rather, you know, if I can't do it, I tell people, if I, I can't help you, I'll reach out to Luis. Maybe he can help you. Or I'll reach out to, you know. So that's very to have that network. We, we are very united. And I think um, one of the things that we want to point in and get through the community is that we, we have several services, and there are very few here in El Paso that focus on mental health. And what we're trying to do is get them to work together. Get them to work together, because that's the only way we will help a bigger community here exactly. and get away and get rid of that stigma that we have with that, that's associated with mental health. Now, the, in the closing minutes here for both gentlemen, Mr. Samuel and Mr. Luis, is what do you have to say in regards to what can be done or what can you provide, like Luis, in regards to mental health treatment here in El Paso? What can we provide or what can be done? Both. Okay. What can we provide? I think we can provide education. 
one of the best things that, and I think the, the best resource and um, that we can provide would be education on how to deal with any mental health and of the resources that they have out in this community. That's true, virtually, I'm into that. And Mr. Samanigo? Well, I, I would like to, to ask the community to become as educated with all the things we have now in Google and everything that we could do on the internet. I have found and something that Luis just said is that when, when I used to visit the patients at uh, Big Spring State Hospital, one of the things that, uh, you know, I had to sign some endorsement to allow me to be by myself. And I noticed that when I was there with them and I have no sense of, you know, I don't have any ill feelings, I don't feel bad about working with them, I see them as people, that they would calm down and they'd be happy. As soon as a nurse walked in with your typical, you know, uh, uh, movies that you see, uh, would walk in, you know, look at them with this harsh look, you would see different behaviors. Yeah. So as a community, if you get educated, and you're able to not have that stigma, you will do tremendous things. Uh, people that have disabilities, uh, especially in mental health, are very hyper, they have a hypersensitivity mm-hmm. to you feeling bad about them, mm-hmm. that you're scared or that you don't like them or that there's something wrong with them. And, and then they tend to react to that. When you get educated and you see that there's just people, just like someone that has cancer, they happen to have a neurosis or have a psychosis, and you see them as people that are struggling to, just like anybody else, to to take care of their disease, once you see that, you could do a tremendous amount. I, as a county judge, I'm gonna do everything possible to create the kind of openness that people feel comfortable that they have something that they're going to take care of, that the community is going to be helpful and be there for them. So that sensitivity is, is just tremendous. I, I would love to have, I'm going to be real honest, I've been gone for mental health for a lot, a lot of years. I come back and I see very little change sometimes. Mm-hmm. And where I see the lack of change is in the acceptance of the community to be okay with people that have disabilities, with people that have mental illness, so. And so you know what, Mr. Something I'm glad you said, because that, that's across the spectrum, not only for persons with mental health, intellectual disabilities, but physical disabilities. Absolutely. And like when I try to reach out to the private sector, uh, I'm trying to use this new concept of new business called barrier-free consulting. I tell the owners, no matter if you're black, you're white, you're in the wheelchair, you have an intellectual disability, our money is the same color, green. So before we go, uh, Mr. Villalobos, can you give one more time your contact information? Yes. Um, one of them is Facebook and La Familia del Paso on Facebook, or you can go online at lafamiliaelpaso.com, which is our website. Um, there will be a, a tab there where you can put any information, any questions that you have um, regarding mental health, and we will answer as soon as we can. And also the last will be the phone number, which is 915-215-3930, and you can call us at any time. And Mr. Samaniego, someone wants to volunteer for your campaign? Uh, Ricardo Samaniego for County Judge. Uh, go on our website. Uh, we have a lot of fun, okay? Uh, if you're not having fun, we don't want you in our committee. <laughs> so uh, nothing is more productive uh, than, than people having fun. And my direct number, 915-474-3458. Y también le quiero dar un, un aplauso a todas las personas de la comunidad que son sensibles, 
a la ayuda de, de las personas que no, no tienen un problema, el problema lo tenemos nosotros, no, no, no. lo que necesitan son los recursos para tener los mismos excesos que cualquier otra persona. Excelente. Now we become kind of judge, you're not going to forget, block me your phone call, okay? Okay, I want to make sure that. Well, I blocked it yesterday. <laughs> well, how much time do we have left, Mr. We're done. We're done, okay, everyone, thank you for listening to the Accessibility Gracias. Corner here on Dialogue Radio Gracias. Network. Gracias.